Anime Pulse, episode 577. Hello, I am Joseph, your host of Anime Pulse, joined by Andrew Chan. Hello. Yes, we are back to bring you the latest and greatest news, reviews, previews, and other anime-related topics. Yep, indeed. Yes, we're, we're two weeks back in, and we're still trying to shake off the dust. Yeah, indeed, indeed. It's just like weird getting back into the routine of things. Um, you have an internal body clock that just kind of sets yourself to like recording day, and it needs a little bit of time to kind of get back into sync. Yeah, where it'll just be like I'm I'm playing a game. All of a sudden, I look up. I'm like, all right, I I got like I got like another hour left before I need to take the shower, and then I I, I go back like, all right, just another match, and then I look up and oh shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know the feeling. Mm-hmm. God. Then I, I'm a forgetting something. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Andrew's like, bang, bang, bang. Hello? Hello? Is anyone there? <laughs> I, I see your icon there on the right. You, you all right? Mm-hmm. Are you there? Can you speak, Red? Say something. Yes. Red. No, I'm calling myself Red. That's how old I feel right now. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I orientate back and forth between the two, so that's probably not helping. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you say we get into some IRL news? Indeed. So, how was your week this week? Not great, so... Oh, we kind of started off okay. Monday and mm. Tuesday was all right. Wednesday, I had to take a half day because I had some major pain in my left ear and the left side of my throat. And uh, probably have another ear infection or sinus infection, some kind of infection. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that day, I was like, all right, well, I'll use my last day that I have available to schedule to take off. Yeah. And I scheduled half a day of that day for this coming Wednesday. So uh, this coming Wednesday, which I believe is the 17th, I'm going to be taking a half day. So I'll be uh, I'll be in the morning going to see an ENT or eyes th- or ears, throat and nose doctor. Oh, who will be uh, taking me taking a look over all my my sinuses and my other parts of my head, and hopefully she'll be able to you know diagnose whatever's causing me all these issues. Yeah. Uh, but on the same day, on the tenth, I just I couldn't stay at work. Like I couldn't focus. I felt a lot in pain, so I ended up taking half day, which is only the which is the first time I've ever taken a half day like that, where I've called out of work for half a day. Uh-huh. And, you know, Chris, my operations supervisor, he was like, is everything okay? Are you all right? It's like, this is the first time in almost a year and a half now that you've decided just to, like, take off. Yeah. And the first time it happened, my I couldn't hear out of my right ear, and I took off the whole day. But uh, mm-hmm. this time, I just took off half day because I think I can probably be okay. So I ended up on... Wednesday, just going straight back to hometown. I went to the yeah. gym. I worked out for longer than I normally do because Wednesdays are my day I work out now. 
for some reason, working out twice a week instead of four times a week, I lose more weight. I don't know why, but I am. Huh. I know, it's weird. Yeah. So I worked out even harder than I normally do on Wednesday, and I parked my car at a charger, which I had to walk like a block and a half to get to where I usually work out at the gym. It was a fucking hot day, too, so when I was walking back, I was sweating up a storm. Um, mm-hmm. Ended up going to Subway, get myself something to eat, came back home, and just kind of like moseyed out the rest of the day. Uh, Thursday, really nothing happened. Friday, again, nothing really happened. Yesterday, on Saturday, I went for my walk, and it rained on me the entire time, which sucked. I got up to the subway, and I was okay. I got through my review of, uh, got through my review of the In Another World with my smartphone. Oh, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. So I did that. I felt pretty good about that review. I put my jacket back on, which, thank God I brought my jacket, because as soon as I stepped out that door of subway, oh, what was it doing? It was raining. Ah. <sighs> And not only that, it was dark out now, so I was getting cold real fast, and I did not feel good. I thought for sure that I was going to get sick as a dog walking back in that freezing cold rain, but eventually the rain let up, I started warming up again, and I got home feeling a lot better than I usually do, Mm -hmm. and I jumped in the shower, took a really long hot shower, focused a lot of the hot water on my face so that I could warm up my sinuses and my, my senses, yeah. And I slept great. I slept like a log. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, that's where we're here today. So I've got a 4-day weekend coming up. This coming uh weekend on the 19th and the 22nd I have off. So yeah, I I've got half a day on 17th and then a 4-day weekend. I'll be going on family night with my family on the 18th. So I'm feeling pretty okay right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and on the path to recovery, hopefully too. So hopefully yes, I just hope that, that my that this ENT doesn't like say like, oh yeah, your tonsils are really bad. We're gonna have to cut those puppies out. Because I, yeah, I was talking yeah. to my dad about that, and he's like, that's an old procedure. They don't do that anymore. You, the tonsils are very important for fighting infections. They don't take them out anymore unless they're really bad. And it doesn't look like my tonsils are that bad, but I may still be given a handful of you know, antibiotics or whatever, because who knows what kind of infection I could have. It could be a bacteria infection. It could be a a fungal infection. Who knows? Whatever's going on with my nose, my throat, and my ears, I really want it to stop so I can be back to my normal and perky self. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, And you can't really make any too many calls until you know exactly what it is you're dealing with here as well. So I guess that's part of, like... It's kind of the tense part earlier on is like you don't really know what's going on, but you know, hopefully, yep, like you yep. said, they diagnose it soon enough, and I hope you get better soon. Thank you. Well, that uh, really does it about for my week. How about you? Okay. Uh. Well. Um. I was making preparations, I suppose. I'm gonna be heading back to Scotland. Um. Tomorrow, actually, after we record, done recording, so I get packing up. Mm. Uh. Because Scotland, it's this important time of the year. Scotland loves anime is gonna be on. So, ah. um, actually, when I, when we do Anime Pulse next uh, next weekend, I'll have already watched most of the films that have been coming out. I'll be watching at it, which will include, um, you know, the guy who did uh, the girl who left for time, as well as um, yep, I remember Children that one. Yeah, Mamoru Hosoda, that guy. 
He's uh, his new film Mirai is going to be premiering there, so that's going to be interesting. There's going to be the My Hero Academia movie is going to be showing at it, which will be very cool. Okay. And uh, I can't remember anything else that's super noteworthy, but those are kind of like the ones to really like watch out for, the ones that are really headlining. Wait, how is Halloween OW event? Is that is OW the game you're playing? Oh yeah, oh, Black know. Magic is just asking about Overwatch. Um, oh right, right. Okay. Yeah, you can keep going on. I'll, I'll reply oh. back to him. Okay. Okay. Um, and yeah, so what's his name? There, there's been that. I've now gotten further into the anime season that we're currently into. I have now watched, I believe, just over twenty-seven shows now total. And well, obviously, I will not be able to preview everything I've watched. I mean, some of them are short shows, anyways. Not much to say. Um, I can say that my opinion on the season has been kind of like meh overall. Like the shows that I've enjoyed, uh, mind you, that I thought were pretty good, were shows I already thought were going to be very good. There hasn't been too many. Like, usually, there's a few pleasant surprises where, like, you know, oh, I don't know what this is. I won't read the blurb, but it might turn out to be really good, and you're surprised. But most of the time, everything has kind of been just kind of mediocre. At least at the moment, that's how I'm thinking about it. Um, with a few shows being kind of surprisingly good, like one of them that was that did really surprise me in a good way was that uh, Bunny Girl show you talked about last week. Like, I didn't expect that show to be that good, but it actually turned out the first episode was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's been a few pleasant surprises, but, you know, given I've watched just over like 27, that's it's been very few and far between. Um, so there's that. Um, and other than that, in terms of games, I've um, I've been modding the hell out of Street Fighter. Uh, you know Street Fighter Five. I haven't talked about that in a while, but the game Street Fighter, I've uh, yep. been modding that a bit. So uh, I, I even went as far as to like uh, for like ten dollars, I bought like a pack of uh, mods that people have been making, so you can change the models of some of the characters in the game. I already posted some of this already. Um, in the banter channel and actually i feel bad about uploading it right now because it usually makes my voice become very laggy but um mm-hmm. basically i got some marvel characters in there as well now so i've got like um i've turned m bison the guy i play into dr doom from uh the marvel universe and like you know other things like i've got hella <laughs> in there from um thor ragnarok as jury and stuff and, you know i can do my dream matchups because now ryu has become lucario from the pokemon series but you know so i've just been mucking about with mods and changing things like the sound effects as well. So, like, instead of it having this this guy announcer voice, it's the female announcer from, um, like, the Guilty Gear series. Just silly stuff like that I've been doing as well, my free time. Um, but, yeah. I, I Apart from that, I suppose nothing much else to say. There'll be a lot more once I'm into Scotland's Loves Anime next week. So I guess I can move around to the community stuff. Um, and while we don't have any new comments because there's not been any new episode uploads onto this site officially this week... I would say to make an exception this one because there's been two new comments on Banana Fish, which technically is the second newest one on the website as far as it's concerned. With the first comment being there from Innocuous Blonde, so I guess uh, we'll have to get her on the line, shall we? Here's a, here's a link just in case we have problems reaching her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see here. Um, oh, all right. <clears throat> uh, Blonde, would you like to take over? Oh, sure. Joseph, for the record. I believe a number of feminists also think paternity leave should be a thing for men as well. I for one am for offering paternity leave for men because a new baby is super disruptive to a household. 
and giving fathers of newborns some time off to adjust to help out is a great idea in my book. Some states do legally ensure fathers the right to take paternity leave without penalty. Wisconsin is one. I lived there for a while. Keep in mind, though, that even maternity leave is not federally mandated. The Family and Medical Leave Act gives up to 12 unpaid weeks to new mothers by birth or adoption, but only if the place of employment has 50 or more employees, Mm. and if the mother has been there a year and worked 1,250 hours minimum in that time. Some states help expand this and cover the gaps and allow for the leave to be paid. But it's by no means a great system. Basically, the U.S. has tried to leave it up to the employers. But surprise, employers aren't keen to cover this sort of thing. Just saying. Smiley face. <laughs> I love how I love how she said smiley face at the end. That was that's particularly good. That's a good touch. Yes. Mm. A nice touch, yeah, Blonde. A nice good. touch. Thank you. Thank you for coming on again and joining us as you usually yeah, do. Yeah, as always. Yeah, thank you very much. It's, I know it's awkward with the time difference and all that sort of stuff and your scheduling, but you know, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess. Uh, that's not a thing that's constantly given across the all fifty-two states. Um, I'm in the UK myself, so it's sort of like a different company basis here as well, I suppose, as well in terms of the paternity leave thing. Yeah, it's for the states. It's what the feds don't mandate. The states have to decide, and well, surprise, surprise, the states aren't in all agreement. Yeah. You know, some states are Republican-owned, some states are democratically owned, mm-hmm. and. When you get down the nitty gritty, then you also have like the the cities within the states that also have their own rules and regulations. And in the end, what was supposed to be the founding fathers' uh, act of like allowing everyone to decide their own rules kind of fucks up everything because the feds say this is legal, but then a city says no, it's not, and then they take the feds to court and it you know runs around in circles for. 10 years until eventually the feds are like we give up we, we don't yeah. care and then the city's like haha we win and this pointless infighting kind of comes at the expense of the taxpayer money as well yeah oh yeah it just it drains us of, of, of all of our money in the meantime awesome. where it's just like hey well, what about that issue of uh, my maternity <laughs> leave and it's like uh yeah we're working on it right now we're in a bit of a debate right you're debating with my money Hmm? I can't hear you over the sound of your money. <laughs> yeah, uh, priorities, eh? But on that same subject, we do have one rep- one reply from Rio, and I don't have a voice to get to. I don't have Rio on the line, so I'm just gonna read it normally. I think Rio would beat us up if, if we if oh, we try if to tried, get her on the I line. If I try to do it, okay. All right. So basically, just put it here, paraphrasing. Uh, Blonde is totally on point with this, as expected, since she has two kids. But in the U.S. Has, uh, but uh, the U.S. has some of the worst treatment for new parents in the world. Oh, know that. Men don't really get that time they deserve. As a hardcore feminist, I believe men should get some of the same time to deal with the new child as the mother. But yeah, maternity leave is not guaranteed here, and it could really put your job in jeopardy. It's a huge, it's a huge issue. 
thank you for that. So both of them yep. weighing in on this uh, on this topic in particular. Um, I will say the company I work for does yeah. give their employees a significant amount of time off. Um, we recently had one woman named Sam okay. who gave birth, and she had something like in the range of three months off. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of it, like I'd say about, I think she said about 50% of that time was, so roughly one and a half months was her uh, leave that she was paid for. So it wasn't unpaid. She was actually paid for the leave. Um, and then the other 50% was uh, was just her taking off, well, like time that she had spent up because she's been with the company for so long. Oh, okay. So... <laughs> Yeah, so she used a lot of her time, but at the same time, now her husband has off, and he, I believe he works, um, maybe he doesn't, but if he does, wherever he does work, um, I thought he worked at Global Foundries, but I could be completely wrong. Wherever he does work, though, he actually gets time off as well. I don't believe it's paid like hers is, but he does get a, a length of time to take off to spend with his newborn yeah so yeah. I, mm. so it, it really even it goes all the way down to your employer because the state could say hey you got to give them a certain amount of time and the employers could be like no yeah mm-hmm. it's a bit of its own it's, it's not a completely sorted out uh worked through thing just yet but even if it was to an extent i think there's also like it's there's it's good to have guidelines on these sorts of things but i'm also like I don't think it's necessarily kind of one size fits all for all couples necessarily, because some people might you know some couples might be more happy with like it being exclusively for one of the two depending on what the career both for the both the um parents actually hold themselves yeah so as long as there's some sort of level right and of, what do you, you do know, for what do you do for like a same sex couple yeah like yeah, exactly. what do you do for uh you know a couple lesbians or even a couple gay guys like do you give both the guys off yeah. because technically they're the mothers and the fathers or do you give both the women off or do you not give either of them off right. you know and because they don't like to, in at least from what i've heard they don't like to break down the relationships as the man and the woman you know the husband and the uh-huh. wife they like to say like you know we're both we're both the same or we're or both both so mm-hmm. i don't know yeah it, it really does I think it's definitely uh, up to people who are smarter than myself to come up with the solution mm-hmm. to that. I think there does need to be some sort of there needs to be some sort of level of autonomy between the couple and deciding like how how the sort of leave gets sorted between the two of them as well. There might be these situations where one of them just really needs to stay at the work or something for a certain period of time, you know. But uh, yeah, yep. so yeah, no, thanks for bringing the very current always current sort of topic to light guys in terms of the comments and now this brings us forward to today's forum topic uh which i forgot to tell you about what it was pre-show hopefully you can think of it while i'm reading responses uh all right this week's topic is basically first impressions so and and you know uh the the first episode of an anime is debatably one of the most important episodes in the series because it kind of gives you an impression of how it's gonna go so in the spirit of that could you name a series or series that have amazing first episodes? And please describe why it was such a good first episode. So, pilot episodes today. Hmm. 
Yeah. And yeah. Okay. So, okay. so I'm going to be going over some of the responses that we currently have compiled. The first one is from Shield Bro. Who says, there's not a lot of anime that catch my attention on the first episode. The one that I remember that really caught my attention was ReZero. Very topical because we both, you know, because you recently finished that one. The first episode. And Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works also got me to watch the series because, to me, the art style was way better than any other anime at the time. I'm pretty sure Goblin Slayer would definitely would have grabbed my attention had I not religiously read the manga and light novel. So, there you go, quite a few mentions there. Uh, I did bring up it before the show that it's it's one of the interesting things, though, about ReZero that may be good for some, good for, you know, maybe not so much for other people, is the fact that the first episode of ReZero is essentially like a two-parter. Like, it's longer than just 20 minutes. It's, like, split into two. Uh, this has happened with other series as well beforehand, but uh, I, I remember in particular ReZero in that you can't really just watch the first part and be done with it and say, yeah, that was a good first episode. You have to basically watch the second part, otherwise it feels kind of dramatically incomplete. This is before they go to Felt's house um, for full kind of context. Um, and then we have Gul Shinobi, who comes in with, it took me a little while to come up with an answer, but I got one. In the first episode of Death Parade, from what I can remember, it's been a while, you start off thinking that Desim is just some psychopath who enjoys making people play party games where the players' lives are on the line. You don't learn until later that that's not the case. So, yeah, yeah. I'd say actually that is a good, that's an interesting pick because I wouldn't have thought of that, but it actually is a good first episode when you put it that way because of the way it's kind of set up. So yeah, definitely pretty good. Death Parade. I need to finish that show. And now we have Rampant AI. He says, Last Exile had me right off uh, had me right off the start with their obvious love for flight. I was immediately hooked by its skyscape visuals, epic battles, and steampunkish aesthetic. A large image there, the characters. And I could name more, but that's enough for now. Smiley face. Uh, and I believe that's all of the replies for this week. Uh, what about you, Joseph? Have you had enough time to think of a good first episode? Or? Well, I mean... When I think about like a good first episode, I think of, of course, my favorite anime ever, oh, yeah? which was, uh, yeah, you know, the Isekai anime I talk about all uh, the time. The Tenchi Isekai... spinoff one? Yes, the Tenchi spinoff featuring our, uh, the character Kenshi, you know. Wait, does, does that, Tenchi, does that Tenchi, count Ken... as Isekai? I thought, like, does he go to another world or something? It is because in... Um, in the uh, Tenchi Muyo universe, uh, basically Kenshi is the half brother of Tenchi. So if you've ever watched uh, Tenchi Muyo before, you know that at some point Tenchi's brother, or yeah, Tenchi's uncle, maybe. Uh-huh. So Tenchi has his grandfather, and then there is the other guy in that household. Who ends up getting married to one of the? Um, it's been a long ah. time since I've seen Tenchi, so bear okay, with okay. me here. He ends up getting married to this. I think it's one of the uh, the Junai women. I can't be certain. I think she is. Then again, she could just be a very normal human woman. But in any case, they end up having a kid, and that kid is named Kenchi. Mm-hmm. And Kenshi is trained by the grandfather character, much like Tenchi was, and ends up becoming 
very powerful and, of course, popular among the ladies because he looks just like Tenchi did when he was younger. Although he's a bit more of a free spirit because unlike Tenchi, who was raised under the strict guidance by his grandfather, uh, Kenchi had a bunch of women surrounding him 24-7 who loved to pick and tease and teach him a bunch of things that a 16 to... (laughs) A 10-year-old, a 16-year-old probably shouldn't oh, know. Right, I see. Yeah. Um, he also got to hang around a lot with Ryooki. Right. And she kind of like was like his older sister slash like she almost, you know, obviously she loved him maybe as an older sister, possibly as a, as an, you know, as something a little bit more <laughs> so than that. as an anime older sister too? Yeah, as an anime older sister. As an anime older sister loves her anime older younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so what makes it particularly and, strong uh, he like, ends like up, a first episode to you well in the very first episode basically what happens is it kind of like yeah so I have to bear with me here because it's been a while since I've watched it I really should go back and watch <laughs> it again but it, it hooks you really good you get in on the first episode mm-hmm. and you see this inauguration of this new queen who's, you know, a child. And people are talking about how maybe she's not going to do well, maybe she will. Yeah. And we see these shadowy figures and cloaks and they're talking about like, oh, that's her. Obviously, they're planning to assassinate her. And they send off one of the shadowy cloaked figures in a mech. And all and these mechs have really interesting designs, and the animation's really good. It's you know it's very much um, Tenchi Muyo animation, but like mm-hmm. on drugs. Like it's fucking hyped. It's steroided oh, nice. up. Like it is powerful. Mm-hmm. It is impactful. Yeah. It has like good shit to it. And this uh, character turns out, of course, to be Kenshi, who's piloting this mech, and uh, he's not looking too well uh, as he after he uses his mech which we then learn that he's actually sick because he was still able to kick ass in his mech when he is on death's door because he's suffering from some kind of illness from being uh, brought to this world. And uh, apparently being summoned to this world isn't an uncommon occurrence, but uh, the way he was brought to this world was very different than what normally happens. I see. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, the queen actually manages to kind of capture him Mm And uh, it, it just there's like all these different plots going on at the same time that like are all so woven together at the same point that like you, you never lose track of anything. Everything makes sense as it's going along. Betrayal makes sense. You know, plots make sense. The female characters are very attractive. Kenshi is an extremely attractive male character. It's just everything about it is very appealing. And, mm-hmm. you know... Ah, <laughs> oh, it's just and you see that like not the the girls that even he tried to assassinate don't really like hate him they even feel something for him when they like throw him out in a cage out on like the outside of like this floating island uh that they like fly around in because like he starts like you know sneezing and coughing and whatnot because he's getting cold and they like they throw blankets at him and give him food and whatnot mm-hmm. Because they're like, please, here, get warmed up. And because uh, he's just, uh, as uh, as you do, he's very cute to the girls. And uh, it, 
you just you gotta watch it. Like I could go <laughs> yeah, on yeah, and yeah. on and on about mm-hmm. why I love this so much. And the first episode is just it's like it's almost like I've I've never done drugs before, but I can imagine it's like what happens when you drink you smoke weed oh, yeah? or something, or you like you eat weed brownies and you kind of just like mellow out on the couch and you're just like everything is fine. <laughs> everything is great, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh it's all so cool. It's just this mellow Days. Like enraptured mm-hmm. warmth. Yeah, just this days of just like you could go through the whole anime and you're just you you come out of it and you're like, oh, that was that was some good shit, man. <laughs> some yeah. Cooked just right. Those brownies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Alright, cool. Uh, the passion really if you when it comes to this anime in particular, the passion really really shows through with your uh, descriptions of it. It goes yeah. And for everyone who out there is like, wait, what anime? You didn't say the name. Uh, Isekai no Sekishi Monogatari. Ah, okay. It's by, it's by de facto uh, Isekai show, given that it's in the name itself. So, there you go. Yep. Um, okay, I'm going to go for like a sort of stereotypical, like a very mainstream answer for mine. But I do think it works as a good example for a first episode. I think the okay. first episode of Death Note is really good. I don't, I don't think I could do anything different. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to suggest anything different to improve it. From the very start, the animation is very good. The atmosphere is very good with the big, like you know, uh, church choir sort of style music to it. You immediately get behind the way Light and Ryuk both think and feel uh, about the world. And the scene in which he starts enacting his reign as Kira is also very good. It, it exposits a lot of information. You can get behind him and feel sort of like. You understand where Light's coming from, whether you agree or disagree with his morals by the end of it. And the the end of the episode also ends as an episode one should in some ways be, where you don't really know what's going to happen next. Now, we know now that you know they go with the whole L thing and detective stuff, but there really is so many routes they could have taken it in his whole plot of trying to rid the world of criminals, you know, with his death note. So, personally, I think that's a good example of a, a really good first episode. Really attractive, very intriguing, and um, well presented, really. So I, I think that's a good, perfect first episode, personally. Very well directed, too. So yeah, that'd probably be my answer for that question. And I believe it does right. for the community section, by the way. Yeah. Okay, I believe that brings us to our industry news. Yes. So, uh, I've got a couple, you've got a couple, so I'll get us started hey. here. So, New York Comic Con, it's a, you know, anime expo kind of thing. It's a, it's a convention that happens in New York City. It's pretty big, well attended, pretty well received. However, recently there was a, uh, another part to New York Comic Con, which was, uh, Anime Fest. So... The uh, New York Comic Con X Anime Expo event in July came to some very mixed reactions, which we're only starting to learn about mm-hmm. now. Uh, basically, con-goers who attended the event, which is actually housed separately from New York Comic Con, uh, took place at Pier 94, and uh, it's actually happened last week, as an attempt to compete with the relatively new anime New York City convention, set up to take place a later month at the Jaffa Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it's unclear for what the depressing turnout was, but apparently the convention was, as some put it, dash con levels of bad. Mm. The uh, convention floor was basically empty, uh, featuring extremely little or extremely small amounts of entertainment. Uh, Many people were taking pictures of empty halls and events that had no people really being there. Um, There were almost no artists. There were almost no guests of any prominence. The whole thing really just reeked. Yeah. Uh, In fact, uh, people didn't even seem to know about this smaller con because as many people were uh, told to go uh, with directions to how to get to the con, they were ended up going to Pier 64, not Pier 94, which is oh, a uh, whole, yeah, a whole different part of New York City. Oh. So, uh, yeah, the sparse attendance, while surprising, uh, mm. was even more so surprising because Anime Fest actually tweeted on Friday that 95% of the Anime Fest badges for Saturday were sold out. Huh. However, this is uh, probably because if you purchased one of those badges, which were actually about $25 less expensive than the New York City Comic Con's usual ticket price, you could still attend uh, some of the larger uh, larger events, like DreamWorks Voltron Legendary Defenders panel, Dragon Ball Super Broly film panel, the Ruby and Gen Lock mega panel, in the Hulu Theater. So, basically, while people may have purchased the tickets to attend the event, they didn't necessarily go to the event because they were busy going to the actual New York Comic Con and not this separately housed, further away convention that drew mostly ire from people instead of happy. That's bad organization overall. I mean, you know... Sounds like it's a marketing nightmare because, you know, God, getting the location wrong is one thing. That's a death sentence in itself. But competing with a, a, con- uh, like a convention that everybody knows about, that's, that's like a double... Another nail in the coffin. God, how could it not have turned out like this? But looking at these f- screenshots from the article you sent, yeah, it looks pretty bad. <laughs> it looks really bad. Oh. The, the guy in the beanie chair with the, yeah. the beanie cushion there with, the, with his phone out. That kind of sums it all up, doesn't it? Yep. Just kind of a just kind of a wash. Yeah. It's uh, you're trying to uh, compete with an event that's already mm. super popular and really there's no reason to. The only way I could think, like one way you can maybe kind of do it, is if you time scheduled it in a in a way where. Like a lot of the main events at Comic Con had finished, and it, this could be considered like an after party sort of location where like there's a lot of other stuff for if you want to stay out later. That's like one of the few ways I could think they could try to to keep it going. But uh, no, why would you choose? Yeah, kind of. But I think of it like almost like um, EA yeah. uh, gets uh, or Electronic Expo actually gets a. Uh, gets a convention as well and sony actually pulled away from that convention center the whole the main uh the main expo Uh and they made their own convention about uh, sony related products but that still makes sense because sony's a big enough brand name that people will attend that event 
even though it's going on at the same time as the main, you know, Electronic Arts Expo. Yeah. So like, you're you're talking about the the Sony Experience thing, right? That they do every year. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so the Sony Last Experience. Time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, some people will arguably only go but, to E3 just to check out the Sony stuff. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. They can definitely hold their own. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but in this case, there was no big names to really no. to put behind this offshoot. Mm-hmm. It's the case of like opening your <laughs> opening your uh, your chicken shop right next to like a KFC and stuff. Like you, you steal some of their business, but they steal yours too. You know probably not really helpful um yeah yeah and in this case it's almost like that uh that chicken shop in california i believe it was Mm -hmm. where the owners were actually purchasing like popeye's chicken and then like taking it out of the boxes and then reselling it as their own (laughs) shit oh oh wow went that far and they got caught for it too it seems then if you know about it yep that's all sorts of dodgy. Nope. Don't like that. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So. Well, that's my uh, my first piece there. Okay. What do you got for us? So, uh, I got like a, like a double bill of like just announcements, basically, but not much else to say besides them. So, if you're fans of the Certain the certain Something series, you know, like this, this month we have a Certain uh, Magical Index Season 3 currently airing at the moment. Probably hear more about that later. Um... There's also been an announcement for two more series coming out from the same series that are focused on two other characters. So one of them is a brand new series that will be focusing on Accelerator titled A Certain Scientific Accelerator, who is uh, basically kind of a side character in the other series um, that I've released so far, as well as they've also announced a third series to the A Certain Scientific Railgun series. So that's going to be getting a season three, much like uh, Index has as well. So, uh, we just know that they're going to be based off the mangas of the same name, and that the main cast will be um, taking back their roles for the franchise. This will also be animated uh, by JC staff, who have consistently been doing it so far. And uh, the stories take place in Academy City, a city that's like of the future, that's run by science and shit. So, yeah, if you don't know about the series already, there you go. But if you do know about the series, then um, I guess that gives you something to look forward to. Uh, I, for one, prefer Railgun to Index personally, so I am definitely looking forward to a season 3 of that. Hopefully they don't mess it up. I don't know what they're going to do with it, because I don't read any of the light novels, but, you know, maybe it's worthwhile. Uh, And then the other announcement in terms of anime that's going to be coming out soon... I don't know if we have dates on these. don't think we do. Oh, yeah, sorry, we have it next year. I think it's next year. No, it's not. It's not next year. I lied. Um, There's going to be... If you're a fan of the... Moe Blob camping show that turned out to be kind of surprisingly good, actually. It was better than it had any business of being. Uh, Yuru Camp, or Laid Back Camp, um, it's not... You're, you're gonna, it's basically Christmas came early, because you're going to get a second season. You're going to be getting a movie, as well as another bunch of anime shorts. So, the whole shebang. You're getting all three of them at once. like a, Kind of like an OVA movie and a second season. I don't know what you're going to do with a movie about Laid Back Camping, but... Um, it sounds interesting enough. There you go, third season. There's very little information out about it at the moment, but uh, I just thought we'd get in early and give you guys the announcements. So that's pretty much my news article. Unless you have anything to say about Index or Eurocamp. 
Mm, nothing about Eurocamp. Um, Index, wasn't there already something? So are they doing like mm-hmm. a continuation of like that spinoff mm-hmm. that um, Accelerator already had? Because didn't Accelerator have like his own little... Yeah, well, he's had um, his own series for a while, but it's never been adapted to anime mm-hmm. form. They, they kind of tested it out because um, during the second season of Index, they covered a bit of it. Ah, okay, that's right. what yeah, that in was. The second season of Index, they cover a bit of Accelerator's own story, kind of like to test the waters, and now they're like, okay, now we're going to go full out with it. We're going to actually make his series into an anime. So it it features him and the Lolly Last Order as they uh, do stuff. I I don't know. What God, the Lolly Last Order, who's a little too aware of her own body yeah. and Accelerator than yes <laughs> than should be. He he deals with the fan service scenarios like a real man. He's not like Toma, you know. Toma walks into a scenario, he blushes like your typical sort of like shy harem protagonist, right? But yeah. like Accelerator opens. The Accelerator door, just, just like, like slaps her on the ass and is like, "Get the hell yeah, out of my he's, way." He's pretty, you know, he's pretty unshaken about these scenarios, these situations he's thrown into. So I I suppose I can respect. What was it like? He goes and he opens up the bathroom oh, door at one point, and both the girls are in there. It's all them actually. And like, like he the just teacher like lady, the soldier closes lady. the door yeah, again, and he's just like, you know, guys, there's a friggin' lock on this door. And it's like, well, that's a fair point. Probably just lock doors. So yeah, and and it was even more. They they double they double it because not you know typically in these scenarios the the person that they get walked in on gets usually really embarrassed and shit. But in this scenario, like they're both like fully grown, and they're like, "Nah, he's just a kid." We're like, "We're over thirty. Who cares?" Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. you deal with I kinda, it. Yeah. I kind of get that. Although his voice, oh, his voice, that like high screechy, like Wah! he does, is just like, "Ooh, kind of tone it down there." Yeah, yeah. He does a very cackly sort of like, yeah, over the top. Um. Yeah, he does. His English voice is also quite good, actually. It's that I can't rem- I can't remember the actor off the top of my head, but he has a very smooth cadence to it. So, okay. So, uh, I guess on to the next bit of news. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I'm sure we all know about virtual YouTubers or uh, VTubers, as they've come to be called. And they've kind of, you know, garnered their own popularity these past year or yep. so. Well, we have uh, some new challengers coming out to the mainstream pretty mm-hmm. soon. And these aren't just any VTubers. No, these aren't just any fresh-faced otaku who are putting on a cute girl mask and tricking a bunch of older otaku into thinking that they're women. No, no. Now, these VTubers are actually designer characters made by uh, some rather prominent artists. Mm-hmm. So, we have three in total. The first character, uh, whose name is, uh, let's see here, Himetsuru Sayuki, mm-hmm. designed by Tiv, who you may also know did the illustrations for Masamune Kun's Revenge and Heaven's Memo Pad for the manga. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's uh, Kujo Kasumi, who is made by Hiro Kanazaki, mm-hmm. who was the Arrow Manga Sensei and the Ora Emo Light Novel Illustrators. I think illustration. Yeah. So uh, he I did think that. I complimented this guy last week. Is, it, is this the character designer? I can't remember if it is. Remember I talked about the him and the art styles. Uh, 
I he they say the light novel, so oh. he he isn't the one who did the manga right. of them. Yeah. He's the one who did the I'm, light I'm novels. About, yeah, because you'll get like the illustrations in the light novels. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not okay. I'm not probably not the same guy then. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the last one is uh, si- uh Sukimiya Sukimiya Shizuku, uh-huh. who is made by let's see here, uh, Taya Baneko. Who did the Kampai Star Girls? Never. Or Kampai Girls? Um, no. Okay. Kampai Girls. I think, isn't that one of like the tank girls or ship girls thing? Uh, Kampai Girls. It's a Konkol. Oh, is that? Oh, okay. Uh, So So that's what it is. Yeah, it's Konkol. Kampai Girls is Konkol. Because don't they say Kampai when they're like doing cheers with like drinks? So I thought it had something to do with alcohol. Kampai. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it had something to do with alcohol, but apparently not. There we go. They smash their bodies into one another. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I yeah. Covered in alcohol. Yes. <laughs> There's probably something like that, like that online. Probably could find that. But yeah. God. Storm. Maybe. Yeah, there's a virtual YouTuber for everything these days, isn't there? You, they, I know they've brought yeah, yeah. Asuna from Sword Art Online. She's going to be a virtual YouTuber now, by the way, as well. And uh, there's even zombie virtual YouTubers now. So, oh yeah, there's there's virtual YouTubers out there for everything. Although, you know, uh, we can't forget the originals who started the whole trend. Like uh, Keys in the Eye. Uh, There's that one. Was it the the? Was it the Fox Girl or the Cat Girl one? Uh... Uh, I don't really know about Kizuna I personally. I don't really. So let me see if there's a list here of like the top virtual YouTubers. Right. All right. List list of popular YouTubers, virtual YouTubers. All right. So no thanks. Go that way. All right. So it seems there are. One, two, three, four, five top virtual YouTubers. The Elite Five. Uh, Kizuna Ai, of course, we all know who Kizuna Ai yeah. is. Um, there is uh, Shiro, or just White, who I guess is known for like carrying a gun around with her. Huh. And uh, she kind of wears the virgin killing sweater. I guess that's her normal attire. The Fox Girl, uh-huh. uh, who. don't see her name here anywhere but there is a fox girl one kind of like a lolly fox girl uh-huh. there's a uh, luna who's like a busty pink or purple haired chick with twin tails i guess she's like a kind of like a drinker she likes alcohol right. and then there's a uh, mirai akiri hmm. who's a single twin or single tailed like ponytail to the side kind of girl i see mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're all so, yeah. original characters and stuff. That's uh, yeah, yeah. They're all original characters, and now we have you know, but they're not designer at all. These are these VTubers that came out around that time. They're popular because I think they were the fresh yeah, the faces and, and stuff. Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. they're the first of the first. Um, let's see here. Oh, okay, so the fox girl's name is uh, Neko Mausu. Oh. Nekomasu. Okay, right, right, okay. Nekomasu. Yeah, so it's Kizuna Ai, uh, Kaguya Luna, Shiro, Nekomasu, and Mirai Akira. 
or Akiri. So there you go. There's the top five main ones. Nowadays, it's easier than ever to do this sort of thing because you you got that face tracking software you can get from Steam now, and you can just yep. map yourself to any two D character you want. You know, just have fun with it. You can make your own two D character or something, or import models online. So it's it's easier than ever if you wanted to do this sort of thing. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. So I expect I could just uh, I could create a virtual YouTuber called uh, Innocuous Blonde. <laughs> and- <laughs> Yeah, you could, you could. Uh, and then I could get sued by the real innocuous plan. Oh, could could that could that actually ha- could you be sued by that? Do you copyright own the username you have? I mean, surely not. I don't know. I don't know the technicalities of it legally, but probably better not. Though it'd be funny to see how much of a fan base you rack up with that accent and stuff. Yeah, I'll get I'll get it. I'll get like a, a virtual YouTuber attire. It will be um. She'll be like dressed up like a Southern Belle, typical blonde hair, you know, like big blue eyes. Would you shift yourself? Big flowing white. Would you pitch shift your voice to make it sound more like it's like to to fool people? A little bit more yeah. girly, yeah. I would. Uh, I'd still do like the uh, the uh, the female, you know, innocuous blonde. I, I mean, I'd call up innocuous blonde and have her do the voice, of course. Of course, yes, of course. <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't be you at all. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it would just be yeah. her. Mm-hmm. Ah, so uh, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. No, it's only going to increase. I wonder when this whole thing will stop. At one point, you know, where this trend will just—I don't think it will. I think people like being able to dip themselves into a virtual reality that is different from, you know, from this world that we Mm -hmm. live in. So Mm. these characters that are, um. I don't know what you would want to say. They are, uh, they're uh, different from reality. I don't know what the yeah, word is uh, right here. I don't know. Larger than life. I don't know. I'm, words fail me. My thesau- my my internal thesaurus isn't running very well today. Um, yeah. But anyway, now I get I get what you're saying. Um. So shall we move to the last piece of news we got for today? Sure, go okay. ahead. Well, I got us a sadder one, actually. Um, earlier on this year, um, in March, actually, I think it was, um, a Japanese school idol um, in a little-known sort of group that's focused on agricultural promotion idol group. I suppose they have an idol group for everything now. Um, hanged herself and... Um, it's just kind of brought recently like, to the attention that new details have now been brought to the public, given that the parents and the family uh, of uh, this idol singer, wait, I should really get the name, um, is now suing the record label or the company that owned you know, rights and stuff. So obviously the company themselves deny, deny a lot of these claims that have been thrown forward towards them. Oh, sorry, her name is, is it Umoto or Omoto? I'm just going to say Omoto for now. Yeah, so um, she was in the idol group, and apparently they're suing her under, like, you know, responsibility for the suicide itself, given that apparently her working conditions were unreasonable. Now, you know, seeing as it's their word against the parents in terms of the company, take these with a pinch of salt, but according to claims here, she was paid barely $300 a month despite working around 12 hours a day. And this could go on for about 20 days a month. So she was being rather 
underpaid for extortionate amounts of hours, you know, given that that's kind of like constant overtime. Oof. Yeah. So, and then there's other talks about how she was, you know, she was driven to suicide given that, um, according to claims, she was driven to the suicide given that her work, she was having trouble working out her, uh, balancing out her working commitments along with study life and, you know, everything else that kind of comes with that, you know, and, um, she was considering to leave the idol group early, but apparently, you know, and again, take this with a pinch of salt, was uh, being pressured by the um, officials there and fans or whatever about leaving. And it came, it, it got so bad where apparently the company pulled um, money that they were initially going to offer her in transferring to a different high school. Um once they've heard that she was going to leave the group, as well as the agency telling her that if she uh, left the group prior to the end of her contract, she would be fined a hundred million yen. So, you know, after shortly after this, she was found dead, hanged herself um, on the March twenty first after skipping an event that she was scheduled to attend. So, it's it's. I think it, the most the biggest moral about this, I suppose, at the end of the day, is about the sort of dehumanization that kind of comes with being in. Being an icon, being an idol, or whatever it is, you know, Asia's quite big on the whole idea of like boy bands, girl bands, and stuff. That's sort of like mass-produced celebrities that become famous at such a young age, um, and a lot of them aren't ready to basically deal with it. It's so much pressure being in the public spotlight. So, um, I think it's just a real moral to the sort of working conditions, and at the end of the day, they're all kind of people, as much as people look up to them as like goddesses, as it were, when it comes to idols in particular, you know. So. Yeah, I get yeah. it. There we go. Bit of a better pill, I know. But, you know, some harsh industry truths right here. We we give you the hard-hitting scoop, as it were, here. And there we go. I suppose that does it for the news today, then. Sorry I ended on such a somber okay. note. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little, a little depressing. Yeah. Well, I... I do believe, however, that brings us to our previews. In a world where laughter was king. Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of movie. This is our second previews for the fall 2018 season. And uh, I guess I'll get us started here by talking about Radiant. Mm. Yes, Yes, Radiant. Much mm. anticipated by many. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is the... I guess you could call it the new Shonen Jump Kid on the Block. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, uh, the new Shonen Kid on the Block. Still yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, anime starts out. It uh, looks like we're in a stereo... You know, it starts out first with exposition. Yeah. A lot oh, of yeah. exposition. Yeah. Uh, Voice going on and on about, you know, demons in the world and humans who run into the demons mm-hmm. uh, who don't die from it being, you know, cursed by the demons end up becoming these uh, half-demon, half-human hybrids that will eventually train to fight the demons. And they're even more powerful than demons, but the world looks down upon them and so on and so forth, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I forget, did they call them Radiance? Was uh, that the name for these hybrids? I think it's like, yeah, I think, I think was, it's like the best of the best of them become Radiance or whatever. Or it's, like, it's like the highest rank you can be. Or right. It's like a Radiant, yeah. Right, right. My memory's a bit fuzzy. So, yeah. Uh, 
You'll have to forgive me too. Mine's a little bit fuzzy too because this one didn't really stick with me all mm-hmm. that much. Um, so it begins. So after the initial exposition dump on us, uh, we cut to a town where we are witnessing this uh, kid jumping across some rooftops. He drops some money on someone's table, picks up some bread, continues jumping across rooftops where he's like, oh no, I'm supposed to meet my friend in the forest. Mm -hmm. And uh, cut to our friend in the forest who is like, wow, my, he sure is late today. And down jumps the boy who was jumping across the rooftops. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out this is our main male protagonist, the guide we were looking at before, whose name is Seth. Uh, Not Seth Rogen, (laughs) just Seth. And uh, he's got like these two little Oni horns coming out of the top of his head. Mm -hmm. And he has the voice of a 12-year-old girl. Ah, yeah, yeah. I thought you'd noticed that, actually. Yeah, because I remember you mentioning something about... I noticed it because we have this very young kid who maybe looks about like, oh, eight or something like that. And then we have this other dude who's, I don't know, maybe in his late teens, early teens, somewhere around there. And the kid who looks eight has a deeper voice than the kid, (laughs) than Seth. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And of course, then I looked it up later. Seth is voiced by a female actress. So there you go. That's one of your biggest mess-ups right there. You don't do that. Mm. Not if you want to make a shonen anime. Mm. Mm. Well, the story goes on where the uh, Seth character brings out some books and shows it to his friend. It's like, haha, I took these from my uh, my teacher. I'll show you these magic moves. And he tries to cast a few spells, and it doesn't work. Yeah. And then he's like, fine, I'll just show you some of my original magic instead. And he goes up to this big old boulder. Uh-huh. He pulls magic into his fists, and he punches the boulder. Does it shatter? No. It just flies off into the sky. Mm-hmm. And lands smack dab into a ranch, which houses these weird elephant-cow hybrid creatures, yes. which they just call cows, so why don't they just have cows? I don't know. <laughs> they needed to make them weird-looking. Yes. So they, uh, the cows then uh, proceed to stampede towards Seth, Chase him and this new kid down and to the town where we cut over and I thought this was a guy at first uh-huh. because all we saw was uh, this uh, chick from the back who has an extremely large head of spiky hair. Uh-huh. Um, she actually reminds me of a character from Danganronpa. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Who has the same kind of hair as her. It looks fucking oh. dumb. I gotta say, I gotta be <laughs> honest. Her hair looks really yeah. dumb. It looks super lazy. Like... That's just like some artist was like, I don't know what to do with her hair. And they're like, just make it gigantic and spiky like this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, wow, that does work. And it's like, no, no, it doesn't. That's not work yeah. at all. But, you know, she ends up uh, trying to buy some rope from uh, a uh-huh. vendor. And he's like, no, I won't sell you the rope. You're a new sorceress who's moved to town. And, and you're going to use the rope to tie us up and sacrifice us to something or another. And, and she's like, first, I just need to buy rope. Second, I'm not going to sacrifice you enough. Third, you're going to sell me the fucking rope or I'll blow your place up. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so uh, that's when she starts noticing the stampede. She sees Seth being 
trampled or not trampled but you know running away and seth of course is like oh boy i hope my my master doesn't see this and he ends up going right past her and she's like you know staring him down he's like she saw mm-hmm. and she casts some magic puts all the cow elephant hybrid things in a orderly fashion and then seth falls onto the ground she, you know, berates him for a little bit before getting a rock tossed at her because the villagers are villagers and they don't like magic. Yeah. Angry mob mentality, yeah. Yep, angry mob. Get out of here, you fucking sorcerers. You ruin our town. You ruin our people. You'll corrupt us. Get out. Mm-hmm. And so she flies off on her halibut. Halib- I wanted to say the word halibut. Halibut. Yeah, that's is right. Spear. She flies off on her spear. <laughs> yeah. I want, to, I want to say the word, yeah. but I can't for uh, some reason. And uh, they end up taking off in the sky, which Spear ends up looking a little bit like a broom. So she's a witch. Burn the witch. Halberd. Halberd. Thank you, Brampton. Oh, like it. Is it Halberd. a pun because it flies? I know it's probably pronounced Halberd, but like, is it Halberd because it flies? No, hal- Halberd is just the actual name of what the Spear oh, looks yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was wondering, did they purposely choose a Halberd and not a broom because it actually has like a word that's it kind of sounds like bird because they fly on it oh I thought they're making a pun I get I get what you're saying halberd ha 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 well as rampant points out it's a yeah. pole arm yeah okay. so in either case um they take off into the sky and he is punished by cleaning the outside of her flying castle yeah or flying witch's hut. I don't know what you want yeah. to call it. Castle in the sky. And, uh, you know, he goes on to... Yeah, he goes on to do his little, like, Oh, why are we disliked? And she explains, like, you know, people don't like us because they don't understand magic and so on and uh-huh, so forth. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're looked down upon and whatnot. Even though they protect people from the demons and shit like that, the infected... Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other, the nemesises, the creatures who fall from the sky and contaminate and decimate all they that yeah. touch, so on and so forth. Kind, kind of unwarranted, well, isn't it? Because like, despite how human these sorcerers are, the, the hatred they get towards like this the, from the civilians seems a little bit unwarranted, given that they're your one protection against like the calamity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this. Uh, chick whose name is alma decides uh i have to go away for a little bit look after the place and don't fuck up oh and practice your magic so uh seth ends up hanging around with his uh younger friend again for a little bit longer trying to practice his magic sets his hand on fire and they look up in the sky and they see a giant flying egg egg and it crashes into the center of the town and as they look it up the egg is actually one of the creatures of the fallen right or at least it's going to turn right. into one. So Seth goes back to the flying magical hut, picks up a bunch of weapons, goes off to try to attack the egg before it hatches, but he's too late. The egg hatches and a fallen or nemesis comes out and starts fucking up the town. Of course, uh, Seth tries to fight it, but he's not doing well. He uses everything he got and it's just not doing mm-hmm. nothing. Yep. He actually ends up getting crushed by the thing. And uh, he's like, I'll protect my friend with the power of my, my, just my courage and my honor. I will protect my friend in this town. And of course, the town's all looking on shocked, like, why would this kid try to do this for us? We all try to hate him. But look at he's trying to show so much courage. Mm-hmm. You know, typical shonen bullshit. Yeah. 
And uh, it's right around this time that the uh, real sorcerers show up and they, you know, punch the uh, nemesis off the kid, off of Seth. And uh, that's where the first episode ends. Right. Yeah, it does. <sighs> yeah, they're all like, yeah, we'll take care of this kid. You show some guts. Yeah. And then that's where it ends. And it's like, well, that was Shonen Jump as fuck, and it didn't capture me at all. It was extremely boring. I feel like, in terms of it being Shonen Jump, I'd say it's like diet Shonen Jump, in a way. Because it kind of just misses the mark where it really counts, yeah. you know? Except it's not even like Diet Coke, where Diet Coke's actually yummy. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's like Diet Mountain Dew. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, what's the point? Mountain Dew is supposed to be this overly sugarly super drink that like causes your kids to have brain tumors yeah Yeah, exactly that's that's what we're after like alcohol free beer even you know what's the point yep Uh, yeah yeah so and we we don't even get introduced to any other characters really it's just this main character who sounds like a girl and has zero redeeming quality so far he's just he's brash he's unintelligent He's weak. I guess it's a typical uh, shonen yeah. jump. Start I guess the idea that you're supposed to like him is because he's got a good heart or something. I guess. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. Like, oh, people will like him because he's got a good heart, right? Mm. No, <laughs> no. Like, give us something no. else. Like, even Naruto, he you know he had his like his first art that he learned, which you know, yeah, no, I, which is amusingly, it's not really a special move in particular that he even learns this episode or uses. Well, the first thing that he learns because he steals the scroll is he's got the uh, the shadow clone jujitsu. Oh no, no, I'm talking about like in Radiant again. Like in Radiant, it's not like an iconic. Oh, okay, no, because like he's got nothing. Like all he's got yeah, is the a punch, punch and that doesn't no. it doesn't even look yeah. impressive. It's not like he goes on to then explain like this is actually a super rare form of magic or anything. You know, something like the to, to capture our attention. No, he's just like yeah. See, it's my magic. I punch things and they fly. Except you punched this creature and it did shit. Seems like, especially because it's current season, it didn't do it's, anything. Like, it's like one part's fairy tale, one part's like Black Clover, but not as good as either one of those two. Yeah, those yeah. other shows. And I, I know I was looking forward to because I saw the main cover. I was like, oh, it's got some of the, this girl with giant drills on her hair. And oh, yeah, yeah. A, a drill-haired female is like maybe the potential waifu character? Okay, I'll give it mm-hmm. a shot. Not introduced at all. No. It's just centered on him, which you know. Sometimes, if you do center it just on your main guy, that's a good thing in a show to try and get you behind the main guy and understand his, you know, his reasons for doing what it was. I mean, like what Naruto episode one mostly just spent its time with Naruto, for instance. But like by the end of it, I don't really think that we learned that much about this guy besides that he has ambition, kind of. But he doesn't really have life goals. Oh, well, I mean, he- like I don't know. Even in episode one, like they will go to the classroom of Naruto, and then you do see yeah, yeah, all the see other Sakura characters like a there, moment, like you see a lot Sasuke of the future characters. Yeah, 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 you do. But you mm-hmm. see, you know, you see uh, um, Naruto's wife, future wife, yeah, there yeah. for a moment. I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's it's not so much an issue that they focus mostly just on one character. It's just the problem is like what we have focused on the main guy. Oh, sorry, Seth in this episode. I don't really think it gives us that much insight to him, other than like he doesn't play by the rules. That's about it. Really? Yeah. yeah. So it, it's. I'm not going to continue watching no. it. I've almost no interest in 
the first episode, like, it's almost faded from my mind because of just how much I didn't care about it. It just... It's generic. Very, very, very generic. It's like a, a French baguette that is, like, being sold at a French store in France <laughs> surrounded by a bunch of other more popular French stores that are selling the same baguette. Did you purposely mention France because this is based off a manga that's from France? Is, is that my No, I mentioned it because he's eating what looks to be a French baguette. Oh, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> in the beginning, and I now that I think about it, there you go, because it's a French yeah, anime. Like, there you, there yeah, you have it. It's, Japan, uh, but like, you know, and, you know, but the manga's by a yeah. French guy, so. Better luck yeah, next so... time. Yeah, that's a steer, right? Even which is kind of like sad because uh, the one who did the animation for this was Studio Lurch. Yeah, yeah, Lurch can make some. I can't remember. But you, off the top uh, of my head, I can't even remember what Lurch makes. Yeah, Lurch can do what okay. <laughs> Sorry. I like. Uh, uh, let's see here. They did. Uh, uh, let's see here. Assassination they, Classroom. A lot of these are like Monster Misume. Assassination Classroom. Monster Musume, uh, Rumpa. Actually, that's that, that's very oh, that's Dangan very apt considering you made that comparison earlier on. I did. That's it's yeah. interesting. I thought it was very lazy that hair was just very, very lazy. Uh, so yeah, that uh, I got anything else here know. that they did. Oh, they did uh, Bahama. Oh, yeah, Bahama. Machine Doll. Oh, they did Aso Biasobase. That's current. That was last season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Majide Watashi Nikoi. I guess I guess one thing we can take home from this is like their shows don't tend to be bad looking. Like I don't think I can see any one of these that are actually bad looking. So maybe it's less like a studio fault, more like the just the direction or what they choose to adapt. You know, because like I don't think the show puts out anything that looks necessarily bad, even when they're not the best. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I get it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So right, yeah, not not gonna continue that one. All right. Well, hopefully your next preview will have a much better outlook. But uh, for now, uh, I guess I'll go on to my first preview uh, with the today's today's one. Actually, I've got Shonen Jump as show show for you right off the bat here. And but today's theme is not Shonen Jump; it's more just sports in general. Um, and there's always room in my life for some hype as hell Shonen Jump shows sometimes, and especially when it comes to sports ones because those are few and far between. But um. In that spirit, Fall 2018 delivers us Hino, oh fuck, Hinomaru Zumo, also known as Sumo of the Rising Sun, or Sumo Wrestler Hinomaru, an anime obviously about figure skating. So, we start off with a brief introduction into the world of sumo wrestling, that it's one of the few sports that, of its kind that doesn't divide PA combatants by weight class, and that reaching the pinnacle achievement in the sport means getting the title of Yokozuna. The intro here is pretty effective and serves to introduce people like me, because I never, I don't really know anything about uh, sumo wrestling. So it helps me know exactly what the thing is about, and it establishes its tone with the visuals and sound. And you know, you can already kind of tell that this is going to be one of those like hot-blooded, like passionate stories about rising to the top against monstrous opponents akin to slaying dragons, communicated by the dim lighting, atmospheric low-key audio. And the many mysterious character silhouettes that will no doubt make strong rivals for the protagonist later. 
cement that with the crescendo being a more energetic opening. And our Shonen Jump sports anime is uh, clear for takeoff here. Now, we start with, like, any good Shonen Jump show is worth its salt starts with, and that is a train molesting scene. Our protagonist, Ushio Hinomaru, happens to be on that same train as any upstanding individual protagonist would do. He restrains the guy that's perving on the girl, although finds himself being suspect as well given that from the waist down, he's already wearing sumo gear, that being pretty much nothing below the waist. Uh, Ushio is a third year middle schooler scouting out high schools and looking to enroll in one that has a good sumo club. While passing by a school, his ears catch the sound of someone practicing sumo, and he climbs over the fence to see someone who's called Ozeki Shinya, the sole member of Odachi High School's sumo club. The two of them have a match, and while Ozeki is no pushover, Ushio was a monster in the ring with an overpowering aura. The two hit it off pretty well from there, both being very self-admitted uh, maniacs of the sport, but that wouldn't be very interesting if it just ended that way. So, the central conflict of this episode is that the school has a delinquent problem, so much so that they've claimed the sumo dojo as their base, with their leader Gojo Yuma being particularly noteworthy as he was once a karate champion. What's more, Ushio really doesn't have much at stake here, given that he already had another school in mind with a more established sumo club, and even Ozeki admits that his talent would be better served there. Still, the trouble with the thugs escalates with them going as far as to completely destroy and vandalise the outdoor wrestling ring that Ozeki put together, and Ushio catches wind of this later and challenges Yuma to a duel to settle things once and for all. Despite being urged by Ozeki to give up because Yuma will not make it a fair duel, and despite him being throwing uh, shade at Ushio's dream of becoming Yokozuna, given that he doesn't meet the required height uh, of 164 centimeters, Ushio, of course, as a true man, remains steadfast, uh, not once flinching at the intimidation of the gang making fun of his sumo wear. <laughs> now, the, rule, the, the rules of the duel is pretty simple. Ushio has to be uh, Yuma's human sandbag and within 10 minutes uh, endure repeatedly being punched in order to win. Of course, not only is Ushio man enough to take the onslaught without even bleeding, in fact leaving Yuma with the sore fists, but he manages to stand tall despite the gang members rigging the game so that the timer read 15 minutes instead of 10. At this point, an angry Yuma lashes out, but Ushio decides that this is now time to counterattack with his own special move that instantly knocks him across the room. It is at this point that Uzeki realises that Ushio isn't just some nobody, but a highly regarded wrestler from his day, with the strength uh, earning him the nickname Onimura after a demon. The gang are not ready to keep their end of the bargain, but Yuma pulls them, uh, pulls them back, acknowledging that he was soundly beaten. Being carried out by his underlings, Ushio offers him a rematch at any time in the ring, um, to which Yuma seems to take that to heart. So, yeah. All's well that ends well. And Ozeki and Ushio seemingly part ways there, but surprise, at the Freshers' Fair, Ozeki comes back to the dojo to find that Ushio's waiting for him there, having decided to join this school, as people who care this much about sumo as Ozeki are few and far between. Ozeki is overjoyed to have recruited his first member, and the two vow to make a splash in the professional world of sumo wrestling, ending up the first episode. So, as you might be able to tell from my descriptions alone as well, this is a... The most shonen of shonen introductions to a sports series. It's less concerned with developing, uh, delivering a brutal, real sort of story than it is about making everything look and feel larger than life. 
Now, while this episode sows the seeds for characters that will no doubt become important, it is centered entirely in getting us behind the protagonist, Ushio, who carries himself in the way that an idealized sportsman would. He's humble and kind, but disciplined and fierce when the chips are down. There's still a bit of intrigue here and there with how he does have a noticeable chip on his shoulder regarding his build, not being what's typical of a sumo wrestler, uh, that can be expanded upon. But what it does culminate in is a very good line that comes out of him where he states that a sumo needs strong spirit, strong technique, and a strong body. And if he's lacking in body-wise, then he'll have to double it in spirit. And this may sound corny, but, you know, welcome to Shonen Jump sports manga. This is definitely something you pretty much sign up for on entry. <laughs> now, question is, by that standard, mm-hmm. how good is it looking episode one in trying to be a hype-as-hell shonen sports show? Uh, I'd say it wasn't half bad, actually. Now, while the presentation throughout the episode wasn't really much to write home about, uh, I do appreciate that the dramatic moments, uh, one of which being Ushio's special move towards the end, which was given the impact it needed and was really hyping over the top, and I thought it was pretty cool. Now, speaking of which, this anime is brought to us by the veteran studio, Gonzo, who are no strangers to adapting Shonen Jump manga with their cultural landmark contribution of Rosario Vampire. Honestly, from here, there isn't much else for me to say about it starting off, though. It seems pretty paint-by-numbers, which isn't necessarily an issue if the execution is good, and on that front, I'd say it looks competent enough, at least from episode 1. If this sounds interesting enough to you, then give it a go. I doubt it will be that much of a letdown in the long run. Uh, that was certainly something. I looked up some uh, images for that because I'm probably going to use some uh, some sumo hot male sumo bodies as our <laughs> cover image for this oh, episode. Because I know all of our female listeners out what they want to see. I that. don't know. Uh, it, it depends because like both both actually anime when you think about it that I'm doing today both feature hot guys as well. The other one's got hot guys running, <laughs> and this one's got hot guys doing sumo. But I guess sumo's more of a unique body type that you don't necessarily get enough of, so maybe maybe go with the sumo one, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyways, uh, what about your second show? So my second show, and my last show of today, mm-hmm. uh, Goblin Slayer. Yeah. Now, this is an anime I have personally read the manga for, so I was definitely hyped for it. It's been a while since I've seen the very first, or the start, of Goblin Slayer, but allow me to regale you with the story. So, our uh, our story starts off with uh, a young, blonde, female priestess entering a adventuring guild, and she's signing up to become an adventurer. Out. And she's uh, she's talking to the uh, the receptionist there, who's you know going over classes. She's like, "You're porcelain class because you're brand new." And she's like, "Oh boy, my I'm 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 a fresh start." And she's like, "Oh, look over there on the job board and maybe pick out a job." And this uh, guy slides up next to her and says, "Hey, why don't you join our group? We need a we need a healer or a priestess in our group, and we're we're gonna be going off to do a mission of super importance." And she's like, "Oh, really? What are you gonna do?" We're gonna go kill some goblins, and the receptionist is, you know, looks over a little worried, like, uh, and she's like, "Aren't you guys all like really new?" And he's like, "Yeah, but it's fine. Don't worry. Goblins are the weakest of all the creatures. <laughs> we'll handle them." Mm-hmm. And uh, clearly, the receptionist knows something's up, but uh, nevertheless, 
the priestess girl decides to join this group of uh, four adventurers now, herself included. We have a male character who is a swordsman. A two other female characters, one of whom is a martial artist, fights with her fists, and the other one's a mage, wears glasses, uses a staff, that kind of thing. And now we have a priestess. So you know, kind of a not a bad lineup for a a, a party. They decide to uh, go out and do their adventuring straight away because the uh, male leader here has uh, probably only thinking with his dick here, or his pride, because yeah. he's like, yeah, the goblins stole some food, they killed some cattle, and they also took a bunch of women. We're going to rescue the women. Right. All right, Mr. White Knight, whatever you say. They get to the cave entrance, and our priestess points out, hey, did we prepare it all? Like, maybe we should go back, and, you know, Mage Chicks says, what, we made it all right here, and you're complaining now? No, we're going in. They enter the cave, and Priestess asks, hey, do, do any of you have any healing potions? And they're like, nah, you got it though, right? You can heal us. She's like, yeah, but just three times, and then that's <laughs> it. Uh. And they're going through the cave. They see a bunch of these weird goblin-esque decorations, and they split up because part of the party takes off while the priestess and the mage are in the back. And uh, the priestess hears something behind them, and she looks you know, into the dark, and uh, the, the mage chick's like, what do you, what do you hear? And she's like, I thought I heard something behind us. And like, that can't be possible. We came from that way. There's nothing over there. Well, lo and behold, some goblins come out through the dark and uh, they attack. Now the mage chick is able to fire off a fire blast and is able to kill one of the goblins. She's like, haha, I can do this. But the goblins quickly overpower her and stab her in the stomach. Mm-hmm. They break her staff and they smash her glasses. She's fucked for the most part. Yeah. Um, the other half of the adventurers finally decide, oh, or finally realize, hey, the rest of our group, the you know, the distance attackers, they're getting fucked up. Let's go help them. So they rush back and the uh, swordsman swipes a few times at the goblins, is able to kill a few before his sword gets knocked out of his hand because it's too big for the cave and gets knocked out of his hand by the cave walls. The goblins then proceed to gang up on him and tear him limb from limb. Quite literally, they chop off his arms and his legs and make mincemeat out of him. The martial artist chick is looking on in horror with our priestess, who has no way of healing that. And uh, they can't seem to heal the mage chick who has been stabbed. More on that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the martial artist chick's like, don't worry, I got this. You, you get out of here with the mage chick and get some help. And so uh, martial artist chick jumps in there, starts kicking some ass and, and punching a bunch of the smaller goblins until a giant hobgoblin shows up who grabs her leg, twists it until it snaps, and then he tosses her against the wall a couple times before she is uh, proceededly raped by the rest of the goblins. Yes, she is raped. Not in an uh, implied way, but very visually, the goblins rape her. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. dark. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, this, I might want to point out that Crunchyroll actually had yes. to put oh, up good. a warning on their uh, their stuff here because people, the viewers, wanted to point out, "Hey, this is really fucking dark." Yeah, and you kind of don't imply that anywhere in your in of your a backlash post actually. of this There's anime. Quite a lot of people who are very vocal about the, yeah the scenes in this. Thankfully, Crunchyroll didn't yeah decide to 
censor, decease, and desist anything. They were just like, all right, we'll pull up a disclaimer. Yeah, there I was you go. talking about this before the show, but I was like, I'm kind of happy them putting a warning up as long as they don't remove anything. You know, fine, you can put a warning up, but never censor. Yeah. Never censor. So, the uh, chick, the priestess chick, who is now carrying the mage chick away from the raping that is happening behind her, uh, is getting to the entrance, or trying to get to the entrance of the cave, when she is struck by an arrow fired by one of the goblins. A couple of the goblins uh, then proceed to disrobe the mage chick with probably the intentions of raping her. And uh, are then attracted to the scent of urine because our female priestess has peed herself. Oh, yeah. And she is quite frightened. But thankfully, it's right about this time our main male protagonist shows up. Aptly named Goblin Slayer. This is a badass killer motherfucker dude who shows up in large armor as a giant kind of helmet covering his face. So he is very much like, you know, very... He, he kills one goblin, he's like, that's one. And he kills another, that's two. And, uh, you know, he's like, I'm surprised he can actually talk. And he goes over the the priestess chick, he pulls the air out of her shoulder. Mm-hmm. He's like, here, drink this, it'll help with the pain. She's like, but feed it to my ma- mage friend, please, she's hurt. And he's like, yeah, it's too long for her. She's been stabbed by the poison blades, because that's what goblins do. They use this paralytic poison. She's fucked, she's dead. <laughs> And uh, he then goes over to her and she's like, please kill me. And he's like, okay. And he stabs the mage chick in the throat and gives a good twist for, you know, just uh, so, you know, we all, we all know that she's dead. And uh, he then, uh, you know, gets up and he's like, well, I'm going to go kill some more goblins. What do you want to do? And she, of course, our priestess chick is like, I, 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 I'm going to come with you, (laughs) please. It's like, all right, well, what can you do? And uh, she's like, I can cast holy magic a couple more times. He's like, yeah, I'll do. Call me. Mm. So they go through the cave and she talks about, you know, like their. The attack that happened against them. And he's like, yeah, see this. And he like holds out the torch and he holds it out in one direction and the other. And he's like, look, these caves, they have a bunch of other holes in them. You idiots didn't see the goblins that were probably hiding and like one of these entrances when you're walking through, so that's what happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You probably should have noticed like these well, little they like drew, they drew their attention like, away because there's like a sign, like a, a, a an altar. Yeah, yeah. The signs that draw your attention away, so you don't look yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, they do reach the end of where the infighting or the uh, slaying of their party happened, uh-huh. and. uh goblin slayer is like all right so you're going to use holy light from here on out uh, nothing else and you're going to use it now and then we're going to get the fuck out and run back mm-hmm. so she casts it and re- reveals a orgy of raping happening here including her friend uh, the martial arts chick and a shaman who's in the back and the shaman tries to can't you know call off a incantation but uh goblin slayer chucks a spear at him and stabs him through the chest and then they take off running backwards that's because goblin slayer had set up a trap trips the hobgoblin after our priestess uses another incantation of light magic and then uh, goblin slayer stabs the hobgoblin through the head then proceeds to take her back to the uh area where all the women were being raped 
kills the shaman for good this time because he hadn't finished him off, and reveals that there were a bunch of baby goblins in the back, children, whatnot, mm-hmm. and uh, then proceeds to smash all of them to bits and pieces. Yeah. Mercilessly. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the uh, priestess scars, girl is like, even the children, he's like, especially the children. Especially the children. Like, these fuckers are going to hold a grudge. They're going to come after us. She's like, what if there's a good goblin? He's like, a good goblin. The only good goblins that come are the ones that never come out of their holes. And he starts, bang, smash, smash. And it sounds like he's killing swine or something like that. And, you know, she's just, like, crying her eyes out as he's doing this. Yeah. And then he comes out absolutely dripping in blood yep. and uh, <laughs> his eyes like glowing red this motherfucker does not no. fuck around he was about killing motherfuckers and uh, yeah he gets out of the cave uh, we get a little bit more exposition on what happens where it's like it's a very common occurrence where these newbie adventurers go out to try to rescue these you know women that get abducted by goblins and they just end up getting slaughtered instead and they talk about like how the women, and we see our, our martial artist chick with the other women who have been thoroughly raped by the goblins on a cart back home, I'm guessing, because she probably is never going to adventure again. She's got that deadpan, mm-hmm. you know, like defeated look you in her eyes. made jokes about that with like the introduction to Skyrim. Like she's in that carriage that's on the intro of Skyrim. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the very end of the anime, we see the priestess chick enter the Adventurer's Guild again, who is meets up with Goblin Slayer and tells Goblin Slayer, I did what you told me. I bought some armor. I got some chainmail on under my, my, my outfit here. And she like lifts up the bottom of her shirt to show us that she's got some chainmail on. And he's like, ah, good. And then she's like, are you going to go kill some more goblins again? And he's like, yep. And he's like, what about you? And you coming? And she's like, yes, I'm going to come. Yeah. And that's where the first episode I'm surp- ends. I'm surprised that it wasn't kind of like a resolved, like, yes, she actually smiles. So I was like, wow, you got over that traumatizing incident really, yeah, really, really fast. fast. She's like, smiles. Because like, if you see her reactions in the cave, like she is fucking like, oh, muscle, oh, merciful mirth mother, yeah. please. <laughs> it's like. You were, like, scarred for, like, a few different things. One, because you watched your friends get torn bits and pieces. Two, you watched one of your friends get raped right in front of you. Three, you watched Goblin Slayer kill a bunch of young goblin children. Younglings. And, (laughs) yeah, he killed younglings. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's fucking dark. So, yeah. Mm. I'm going to continue watching the fuck out of this. I loved it. I love how dark it is. Yeah, and the really cool thing is that you may be thinking like, oh, we're going to eventually see what Goblin Slayer's face looks like. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Because, at least in the manga, he takes off his helmet once, but we never actually see what his face looks like. He's only ever seen in his armor. Kind of like Kakashi from Naruto. Kind of, except this is his whole face instead of just his lower half. And eventually we do, we see what Kakashi looks like with his mask off. Yeah, so. eventually, I suppose. Mm. Eventually. eventually. So, yeah. It's, it's definitely cool. Um, but be forewarned, it's very dark. And if the manga, if it follows the manga, there's an uncomfortable amount of goblin rape going oh, on here. okay. So it's not even just episode one. 
No, it, like we go into Goblin Slayer's history, his past, mm. what, how he became what he is, and uh, we're gonna be covering a bit more as well. Goblins like to take women as hostages and yeah, do goblin things to them. Mm. So that's uh, that's gonna make happen. Him a more hateable villain, I suppose. Can you add that to it? Um. Yep. Uh, as response to Rampant, nothing, nothing's got that on Berserk though. In terms of the dark. But, uh, yeah, that's a bit of a high standard there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, yeah. cool. That's, uh, that's what we got, uh, we got going on right now. And, uh, if you, if you're interested, uh, you might want to see a bit more of, uh, a bit more of Goblin Slayer. You want to check it out yeah. a bit more. Keep your eye on this one, I suppose. It's one to watch for multiple reasons, controversy and all. There we go. Uh, I suppose that brings us up to our finale. Yep. For today. Indeed. So what is what do you have last and least for us? Last, oh, hopefully not least. Uh, so the first show I covered was... Our last, last and, best. and best. Yes, best of all. Uh, I, so the last, first show I covered was more like the super passionate shonen type sports one. So, they, so the second one I thought I'd go for one that's got more of a slightly more realistic approach to it or whatever. Um, and to that end, the season has Kaze ga Suyoku Huiteru, or Run With The Run With The Wind, might, um, which, you know, if that's your thing, might be the show for you if you want something more grounded. Now, it starts off a clip that we'll get into more context on later with a black-haired guy running from a shopkeeper at night, having just stolen some food, but he's caught up to by this other youth on a bicycle with a scary expression that asks him, do you like running? Anyways... After the opening, we see the dark-haired guy, Kakuro Kurahara, being toured around a university student dorm by the guy on the bike from earlier, Haiji Kiyose. Now, one by one, we're introduced to the different occupants of this dorm, each of them showcasing their own quirk, which, to be honest, isn't... It's a bit of a clunky way to present each of them, in my taste. I mean, it's effectively kind of like this, where it's like, um, it's introducing the supporting cast and trying to make them more memorable before we have enough time to develop them. But it could stand to have the show, um, have them show their traits in a more organic way. It's like this, you know, like, oh, this guy over here, he's the law guy. He wears smart glasses because he's the smart guy and he will threaten to sue you. And these two are the mischievous identical twin guys. And this one is the shy OCD otaku guy. And this is the foreign black guy with his quirk being that he's uh, not embarrassed about shaking your hand while completely naked. I, I'm not entirely sure what they were going with with that one. But anyways, all that done, uh, we see that Haiji has made some deal with the old dorm owner that he's satisfied now that he's recruited the 10th person. But more on that later. Next, we have Kakuru's welcome party. While I'm less uh, less so thrilled with the introductions earlier with the characters, it's kind of nice to see them all together in this scene. It kind of fleshes them out and kind of gives them a good social dynamic together uh, with them all being in the same room. Things are going well, and as the atmosphere of the party is starting to die down, Haiji takes this opportunity to put his scheme into motion, at first pitching that they should all go on a little trip to Hakone together, and while everyone's on board at first, he adds in a slight detail that they should travel there on foot. Then we cut back to, um, we get the halfway point of the episode, and it cuts back to the scene from the beginning of the episode and adds more context. So Haiji leaves the bathhouse, adamant on finding a 10th person for the dorm, and during this, he witnesses Kakaru, who, true to the title of the show, runs like the wind past him. 
sight of Kakuru's perfect running form captivates Haiji, causing him to leap on his bike to catch up with him, leading to that scene that we saw at the start of the show, although this time we see what happens immediately after. So it turns out that Kakuru was stealing food uh, because that he's basically broke after gambling his deposit money at the mahjong tables. He's also a university student at the same school. Uh, Haiji offers him a place at his dorms, saying that he can pay it back when he can, and that they should start by going back to the store to apologise for stealing, which explains the whole dorm tour earlier on. Now, cutting to the present back at Kakuru's welcome party, with Haiji dropping that bombshell that, uh, written on the plaque for the dorms in smaller print is, Track and Field Club Member Dorm, and that by moving into this dorm they are automatically enlisted into the club. So what he's proposing is that they have to run together in a long distance relay race uh, called Ekiden with the dorm owner who was once a professional trainer acting as their coach. Now this holds over just as much as you probably expect it to because they've essentially been conned into this or scammed into this uh, and especially with uh, Kakuru particularly adamant about how they can't do this run. Uh, he reveals himself to be surprisingly knowledgeable on the subject at the same time. Still. With no one on board, Haji seems still optimistic, and we cut to the morning, uh, I guess the morning after, with Kakuro doing his daily run before bumping into um, Haiji, nursing what looks to be some sort of leg injury at the bench. It's here that Haiji restates his resolve that he will recover within six months and will be able to run, and will run at the Hakone, and will also convince everybody else in the dorm to run as well. As Kakuro is about to leave, uh, Haiji states Kakuru's full name and school, showing that he knows more about him than he first uh, let on. And Kakuru turns, surprised to see Haiji facing him, with the morning sun rising behind his head symbolically, and a dramatic wind blowing between the two, ending the episode. So, uh, I do find it interesting, the contrast and approach between this and that sumo show I just did. Now, obviously discounting the differences between the sports themselves, because that's kind of obvious. Uh, well, while one is focused almost exclusively on being an introduction to the protagonist, this one has arguably two protagonists and wanted to get the rest of the team in there as soon as possible. It's kind of a trade-off because Hinomaru Zumo's MC is much more defined by the end of the first episode and clearly embodies the spirit of the show, whilst with Kazigatsuyoku comes off as more of like a slice of life inspirational sort of story as it's less focused on one particular moral or whatever. Also, while I did find the intros to each character in the show being a bit lazy, the group dynamic by the end felt kind of natural, and that's important in a show where it's going to eventually be about teamwork. Despite my criticisms, it's not as though any of the characters was downright unlikable, and they're functional to smoothly get the story going off the bat, so take everything I criticised there with a pinch of salt. Now, if we're talking visuals though, this show blows most other shows, like this season, out of the water. Uh, the backgrounds are well drawn, the way the show's handles lighting, is especially with the night scene, is really nice and cinematic looking, and the animation for this episode on the characters was smooth as milk, really. I just hope that they can maintain the standard for, of quality throughout the entire series, lest it suffer the same sort of issues that Ballroom Yokoso had. Uh, during its run, which is an apt comparison given that it has a very similar art style, and by it's also by Production IG, the same studio. So, if you're in the market for a more grounded take on the typically more adrenaline-packed sports genre, then this could be for you. If nothing else, it's not the most typically it's not the most typical sport that's adapted for anime, so that's something. And I personally will be keeping my eye on this to see if it keeps pace. 
Pun intended. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> <Yes>. Clever. <laughs> Thanks. I thought so too. I, I wrote it and I was like, <laughs> you genius, you've done it again. So yeah. Alright. I believe that uh, rounds out our previews for this week. And uh, we'll be having some more. At least we're going to have at least two more shows, if not three more shows of uh, previews. I think one of them we're probably going to jointly preview New Index. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps we could join that one. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I might leave that to you because I have watched it. And I'm not entirely sure how much I have to say about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and plenty okay. of previews actually going on the season. Right. Yeah, yeah, I definitely didn't want to like lose out like last season where I had nothing to preview and you had like five more shows to preview. So I wanted to, I wanted to come up with a few more stuff. So I'm that's why I'm expanding my horizons to things that I ne- don't necessarily think I'm going to continue watching. I think I think that's good. I mean, if, if nothing else, it gives that sort of moral that you try all sorts of shows and you know, like you said, broaden your horizons. I can see anywhere. Yeah. Alright, well, that does it for another episode, and uh, as always, until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong.